Day. We're playing the Texans, amen, so hallelujah, get that out of the way, go to Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2, amen. You know, Genesis, uh, the first book of the Bible, it's always been, the, it's been known as the book of beginnings. If you're reading the book of Genesis, many things begin there, uh, name a few, amen, in Genesis, uh, creation began there. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth in Genesis, man's beginning started there. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, and he created them. Marriage, amen, had its beginning in Genesis. God brought Eve to Adam. They were joined and become one flesh. Family began in Genesis. Now, Adam knew his wife Eve. She conceived and bore Cain and said, I've acquired a man from the Lord. And she bore again, this time, uh, his brother Abel. So we have all these beginnings in the book of uh, Genesis. One other one uh, we see, Genesis 12, this is where calling uh, begins. And now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to land I will show you. I'll make you a great nation, I'll bless you, I'll make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, I will curse those who curse you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. So we see all these beginnings in the book of Genesis that still have bearing today. Amen. So the book of Genesis is a very important book. But there's one other beginning in the book of Genesis that I want to draw your attention to. Amen. It is so important that we get this right if we miss this. Uh, everything else in our life will suffer and suffer horribly. Matter of fact, uh, all that's wrong in this world today, the crime, the immorality, false religion, uh, hate, rebellion, all stems from not getting this one thing right. So I want to look at that one thing this morning out of Genesis chapter 2, verse, verse 15. The Lord, then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord had commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you shall freely eat, but the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, this morning I'm asking you, God, to speak to us, minister by your power, by your dominion. God, breathe up on this sermon. Uh, break curses, break uh, of the demonic. God, I pray, God, give your people power, God, dominion in life. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to preach on relationship, God's relationship with man. In the beginning, God has a relationship with man. Man is the masterpiece in creation. The Bible said man is above the stars, the moon, the seas, the trees, uh, and everything that God made. Man was the prize. Mankind was the prize. When God made Adam and Eve, uh, that was the crown of creation. We are God's crown in creation uh, Psalms 8 speaks about man's relationship with God. Verse 3, When I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? It boggles this writer. At God, all things that you've made that blows our minds, the sun, the moon, the stars, uh, what is man? Well, I'll tell you what man is. Man is God's prize. Man is God's crown of creation. He goes, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the Son of Man that should visit him. 
For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over all the works of your hand. You have put all things under his feet. So, man is in a privileged position here. Uh, the Bible says that, uh, uh, we're, that we're crowned with glory and honor. All dominion has been given to you and I. Uh, so, how is God going to build relationship and maintain relationship with this man that he has crowned, that's the crown of glory and honor, his crown and creation, that has pulled the works of his hands in the earth? How is God going to build a relationship with this man? How is God going to keep relationship with man that, that he's given all this power to? That he's given all this glory and wonder to? How is God going to build relationship? Because we know relationship with God is critical. And this is what we see that starts in the beginning. Uh, that's if we miss this, we're going to miserably suffer in life. Uh, and the reason a lot of things are bad is because people have missed this. So relationship with God, how is God going to build a relationship and maintain this relationship with this creation called man or mankind? I believe three things I've seen here. One, the Lord took the man and put him uh, in the Garden of Eden. Notice what God didn't do here. He didn't build a special chambers in the heaven next to the Holy of Holies so that when God got done doing what he does, uh, that he and Adam can hang out together. That he and Adam could sit around and drink coffee half the night and tell stories. Uh, God didn't do that. Uh, and a lot of people think relationship is that. If we can just hang out together, drink some coffee, we're going to have a great relationship. Well, God didn't do that. God could have done that. He could have said, this is my prize. Uh, once a week, once a month, Adam, I'm just going to bring you to heaven. Uh, i got special chambers for you. Uh, and we're going to have this incredible relationship. And God knew how important relationship was, but he didn't put that in the mix. Instead, he put Adam in the Garden of Eden. I mentioned this last week. The truth, when you get saved, uh, you need a place. Because in the house of God, God will build a relationship. In the house of God is where relationships go, uh, start. Uh, in the Garden of Eden, uh, the Garden of Eden is a picture of the church. Everything that Adam needed to survive and be blessed was found in the garden. He didn't have to go outside the garden. Uh, everything that God needed uh, for the man to survive and be blessed in this relationship uh, was found in the Garden of Eden. And in the house of God, uh, uh, we can build relationship. See, church is more than just a building. One, we see it's a place of visitation, Genesis 3, 8. Uh, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. In the cool of the day, God would come down uh, and visit with Adam and Eve. In this place called the garden, uh, uh, God would come down every day, the cool of the day, and they would have fellowship, they'd have relationship, they would be able to talk and enjoy each other. You know, when we gather together here, God comes down to meet with us. God speaks with us, deals with us, helps us, heals us, uh, and blesses us. Uh, uh, so the church is like the Garden of Eden. Uh, it's a place of relationships, a place where God will build a relationship with you and I, uh, His created people, as their God will sustain a relationship. Psalms 23, David connects God's mercy and blessing upon his life to his time spent in the house of God. Verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David connects the two. 
uh, my relationship with God is connected to the house of God. When people tell me I have a relationship with God, but you never see them in church, I scratch my head. Because that don't make any sense. Uh, amen? Because relationship is found uh, in the house of God. Uh, Psalms 84 verse 10. David says again, For a day in the courts, a day in your courts is better than a thousand days in the world. If you've been in the house of God for a while, you know that's true. I mean, you have them services in the house of God. Not every service, but where you come in there or God just meets you, God speaks to you, God does something special uh, in your heart. Uh, it's better than anything you find out there in a thousand days. The second thing we see, uh, not only do we need relationship with God that requires a place, but it requires a labor. So then the Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden uh, to intend to keep it. After God created the man, uh, Notice what he didn't do. He didn't give him a pillow and a bed. So it's like sleeping too much. Come on. He didn't give him a bed and a pillow and say, hey, enjoy sleeping. No, after God established this relationship uh, in the Garden of Eden uh, with this man that he created, he gave him a place to labor. Uh, he said, listen, I want you to tend this uh, and keep it. Proverbs 19.15, laziness casts one into deep sleep, uh, and an idle person suffers hunger. So when God created Adam, uh, he put him in the garden to tend, and to, to tend and keep the garden. This word tend means to put it in order. To put in order, to behave in a particular way, to, do, to be disposed in action and operation. So uh, it gives us a picture. The garden wasn't this perfect place like we may think. It didn't have everything together. No, Adam went to work putting it together. Uh, Adam went to work. The Bible said he named all the animals that we know today. Uh, and what he named them, so they were. Uh, uh, Adam put order. I'm sure when Adam first went into the garden, uh, maybe the weeds were growing high. The vegetables needed nurtured. The trees needed pruned. Uh, he should put in order. Uh, he gave Adam something to do. Uh, uh, and, and Adam had to begin to put things in order and behave in a particular way. Uh, don't get math work, serve the work. You know, the church is like a garden in it. It needs to be tended. When we come to the house of God, this is not a perfect place. But what makes it good is when we, we're tending it. When you and I have our hands involved in what God is doing, uh, and each one of us, our, our strength... Uh, is given to the house of God, whatever that might be, uh, and we're being a blessing where we can, uh, listen, the garden becomes a wonderful place to live. The Bible said then he's not only to tend it, but to keep it. This word keep it, this term keep it, means to continue in an action or a course or a position. In other words, it's not a one-day thing, Adam. Uh, and as long as you're in that garden, I encourage you, I, I, uh, uh, you... Uh, keep it. Uh, you keep laboring, keep working, and keep putting your hand to the plow if you would. Uh, you keep it. So we're talking about relationship with God. So first, the relationship uh, uh, with this incredible um, thing called man or mankind, man or woman, uh, the crown of God's creation to have relationship. God says, you're going to have to have a place where I can meet with you. Uh, now you have to have a labor where you can invest in that. The third thing we see here, not only do we need a place and a labor, but we need to be commanded. 
Then the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it, and the Lord commanded the man. This word command, or commanded, means to be under authority, uh, to be under the charge of another, be under the control and restraint. Uh, so in the garden, uh, man couldn't just do whatever he wanted. Uh, he had liberties, no doubt. Uh, God said, you can go to all these other trees, eat what you want, uh, but that one tree, that tree in the middle. So God was able to command the man, uh, here, listen, don't eat from that tree. The old saying, God cannot lead who he cannot command. God speaks to us through his word, uh, uh, but can we hear his word? Do we obey his word? God's command to Adam was this, uh, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, uh, but the tree of knowledge and good and evil, you should not eat of it, for in that day that you eat it, you shall surely die. We know what happened, don't we? But the truth is, amen, we need to be commanded. If we understood how incredible we were in God's eyes, in God's creation, think about that, over everything, the moon, the stars, the world itself, we are the crown of creation. And God has put all glory and power, authority uh, under our hands. So uh, we're incredible as you look at it in that sense. To God, we're God's masterpiece. Uh, but if this relationship is going to work right, it's going to be sustained. Uh, we have to be in a place where he can speak to us. Uh, we have to be in a labor. Uh, and now we have to be under a command. You know, truth is, God didn't command Adam to stay away from the tree because God didn't want Adam to enjoy it. Sometimes we think that, don't we? God just, you know, you just don't want us to have anything. No, it's not at all. The reason God told Adam to uh, stay away from that tree, uh, not because he wanted to enjoy the apples or oranges, whatever it was, uh, but that tree had death all over it. Adam, the day you touch that tree, you eat that tree, uh, so you're going to be getting, you're going to die. Uh, so God's command was to protect Adam there. Wasn't to keep things away from him, but it was to give life to him. See, God's command, do not touch the tree, was protected, uh, was to protect his other command, be fruitful, multiply, and subdue. Uh, Genesis 1.28, then God blessed them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over everything uh, that moves on the earth. That was God's intention for Adam and Eve. And to protect this command, God said, listen, don't touch that uh, tree. How know that's still good advice today? Today, God has commanded you and I to be fruitful, multiply as well. Mark 15, or Mark 16, 15. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. And to protect this command, we have Mark 4, the parable of the sower, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, desires of for the things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Uh, God says, listen, I have to be able to command you uh, uh, the goods and the bads. Uh, stay away from that so you can uh, flourish here, amen. Uh, don't do this so you can do that. I'll look at relationship within the body now. We talked about God's relationship. But how many others relationships that we need to have here as well? We can't just have a God-man relationship. Uh, God put us in a church, a body, uh, uh, like our body has to have relationship with each other. My eyes uh, have to have a relationship with my hands. 
my hands have to relationship my feet and so on. Uh, and so in the body of Christ, there has to be relationship. Uh, so we've seen the Genesis relationship, but let's look at the book of Acts this morning. The book of Acts, like the book of Genesis, is the book of beginnings. The book of Acts is the beginning of the church. Uh, so there's many similarities in the book of Acts that we see in the book of Genesis. I believe they're all there to help us. Acts chapter 1, disciples went back to Jerusalem to start a minister to start the will of God. Acts 2, they filled the Holy Ghost uh, and the church began to form. Acts 3, uh, they had the first miracle. In Acts 4, we see God gives us the spirit of that first church. We're going to read a few verses. Verse 32. Those who believed were of one heart and one soul. And no one said that anything of the things that belonged to them was his own. But they had everything in common and great power. And, and with great power, the apostles were given uh, their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of land, houses sold them, brought them to, uh, the proceeds that were sold, laid them at the apostles' feet, and distributed them to each as all had need. Now this is not a give everything away your, your text here. This is not, God's not saying give everything away you have, uh, uh, but it is an account of love and care for each other in the church. They had a relationship, they have one heart and one soul. There's relationships in the body of Christ. Uh, so just as what we have a relationship with God, God said you have to have relationships in the church. You have to have relationships in the house of God. The book of uh, Genesis speaks of our relationship with God, but the book of Acts speaks of our relationship with each other. And there are things needed for relationships in the church. And I'm going to mention three or four things. Uh, if we're going to have a relationship with God, Genesis said these things are important. But if we have a relationship with each other, there's some things that we need to highlight as well. One, the uh, Bible said they were a church of one. So those who believe were of one heart and one soul. Church is more than a place where we just hear the word of God preached. It's a place of relationship. God said they have one heart, one soul. There was relationships uh, among the people. Amen. They knew each other's name. Uh, addresses, they knew things about each other's children, uh, they had relationship there. And relationships just don't develop out of thin air. You have to build them. How many's married in here? Think about me and my wife, we've been married a long time now, but we've had to build a lot of things into this thing called marriage. I, can, I know what my wife thinks most of the time. It's how well I know her. She gives me that look, I said, no, are you thinking? I just pull out my wallet and give it to her. <laughs> and she looks at me sometimes. I know what you're thinking. Because we built that. We've invested in our marriage. Amen. We know things about each other. We don't have to say words. Because in a marriage you build, if you're going to become one uh, in heart and soul, but even in the house of God, you have to spend time. You have to build this, these relationships. It takes time. It takes hard work. It takes sacrifices. Uh, it takes a lot of just look blind, what they say, blind eye. You can't highlight all the failures. You can't look at all the mistakes if you're going to build healthy relationships. You know, the church world has missed this for the most part. Much of the church world see each other Sunday morning, that's it. Hey, how you doing? They don't even know their names. Hi, as they come to church, leave you. They don't even know their names. 
I talk to people a lot, and they say, we only come to church uh, Sunday morning. Who do you know? Um, mm, they can't mention any names. The book of Acts church, they were one heart and one soul. So how does this happen? How have we become a church of relationship, a church of one heart and one soul? Chapter 2 gives us some insight here. Let's look at it. Verse 42. And they, were, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching or doctrine. Church was bigger than themselves. They knew this to be a work of God, and they devoted themselves or gave themselves to it. So one, uh, it's a giving of ourselves to the work of God. This is how relationships built in drama uh, or in music. Uh, as each one gives himself to that ministry, relationships are built in that. Relationships are built in that arena. As you give yourself to the work of God, they gave themselves to the apostles' doctrine, meaning uh, the work of God, what was being preached. Uh, they were involved in this all together, all thinking the same. Uh, this is the greatest thing on earth. When I got saved, amen, uh, that was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. And me and my wife just began to, this is our church. It's not a church, our church. We owned it. Uh, and we began to build some relationships. Uh, and most of these relationships were built through ministries. We were in drama. We were in different things. We built relationships with each other in the church. And that relationship we built in ministries uh, uh, filtered out to per our personal life as well. Two, or, or in verse 42, they invested into each other so they were in fellowship and in breaking bread together. In other words, they valued each other, spent time together uh, and kept each, and they kept it spiritual because said they prayed together. How many got to keep relationships spiritual? Come on, that's that's a big challenge sometimes. Yeah, we're gonna get together and have some hamburgers, but we're gonna keep this thing spiritual. We have hamburgers, not so and so for lunch, right? Okay, so let that one hang out there a little bit. So the same thing we see they were spiritual. The Bible said, and fear and awe came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders were done through the apostles. How I many we set the atmosphere for the church? Our attitude, our passions, our vision sets the atmosphere of what God can do in this service this morning. We set the atmosphere. It said, fear and awe came upon all. Uh, amen. So we have a part in this. Uh, I've had people come to church, well, I didn't feel God today. I didn't feel God moving. I didn't. But you have the other ones that said, man, God moved today. Not that the Holy Ghost, God spoke to me uh, what's involved. We set an atmosphere here. Our passion for what God's doing, our attitude that we carry in. Uh, we, they, the Bible said they kept themselves spiritual. How do you know you have to keep yourself spiritual? It ain't just going to happen. You ain't just going to wake up in the morning and everybody say, oh, you're so spiritual. How'd that happen? It's a job to keep yourself spiritual. Hey, we got a lot of flesh here. Pinch yourself, tell them if it hurts. You got a lot of flesh here. <laughs> if we're going to be spiritual, it's going to take some work. How many of you, we eat every day physically, don't we? How many missed a meal in the last three days? And we all eat, right? We take care of this body. We have to take care of our spiritual body as well. They kept themselves spiritual, meaning uh, they read their Bible. Uh, amen. They studied the Word of God. They prayed. Uh, they had a spiritual life. They kept themselves spiritual. We have to take serious Romans 12. 
Present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is a reasonable service. Paul saying, keep yourself spiritual. He goes on to say, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may testify and discern what is the will of God. Amen. So Paul says, be spiritual so you can, one, uh, 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 be a man or woman of God, and two, you can discern what's God and what's not God here. Things of the world. So they kept themselves spiritual. This doesn't mean problems didn't exist in the book of Acts Church. We know it did. I know we have problems and issues in life. But when they came to church, they were there for church. When they were talk about things, do things, they were there to see God move. When they went to church, they had an atmosphere in that church uh, where it said the apostles was able to do signs, wonders, and miracles. God was able to do that through them uh, because the atmosphere of the people. How we come to church, the attitude that we have, uh, the passion for God, the spirit we bring in, sets an arena for what God can do or can't do. And lastly, or thirdly here, they were involved in what God was doing. So many who were owners of land and houses sold them, brought the proceeds, which they had sold and laid at the apostles' feet. See, how can somebody be that kind of a giver? Houses and land sold and given to the church. I thought about that. That's a sacrifice. When you, when you give like that sacrifice, Jesus answers the question in Matthew 6, verse 21. For your treasures of your heart will be also. In other words, your treasure follows your heart. When your heart is into what God is doing, we have no problem giving. When your heart is here, money just follows that thing. Uh, money just follows the will of God. We have no problem giving uh, when our heart's right. I'm not going to stay on money too long. I can feel you a little bit. Let me give you a couple examples, though. Uh, J.C. Penney's. He was actually a man, not just a store. But J.C. Penney's, the, the owner that started the store, he said, I started tithing 10% when I was a young man. And as I began to tithe, God began to help me. He said, I bumped my tithing up to 30%. Uh, at the end of his life, before he died, as they began to go through all of his records, uh, he was given 90% he called tithe to the church. J.D. Rockefeller. He said, I never would have been able to give to tithe on my first million dollars if I had not learned to tithe on my first paycheck uh, every week. It was only $150. Jim Elliott said these words, the tithe is not a ceiling for giving, but it's a starting point for gratitude. He goes on to say, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose. Amen. So uh, here's the book of Acts, relationships in the church. Uh, one heart, one mind, uh, they were together. They built this relationship. Uh, they sacrificed for it. Uh, and we can do the same. Let me bring this to a close. Thirdly, let's look at our church today. We're seeing the Old Testament relationship, God and man. New Testament, Book of Acts, relationships in the church. You know, if you're a Bible student, you know what's spoken in Genesis is good for today, Right? What's spoken in the book of Acts is good for today as well. Isaiah said that this way in verse 20, chapter 20, verse 10. For it is precept on precept, precept on precept, line on line, line on line, a little here and a little there. A precept is a general rule or a guiding principle used to influence conduct. 
what he's saying there, we can take a little bit from Genesis, a little bit from the book of that, and we can have an incredible Christian life. We can take from the Bible here and there, uh, all that God says from Genesis all the way through Revelations is ours to keep, uh, uh, is ours to build upon. He says you can take a little line from here, a line from there, preach it, and you can make this a general rule for your life. We can have a strong relationship with God. We can have a strong relationship in the house of God. And think how privileged we are today uh, as we look back. In the, in the Old Testament, Genesis, uh, they didn't have a Bible like we have. Like we have uh, the book of Acts, they had transcripts. They didn't have a Bible. Uh, look how blessed we are today. We have everything we need, uh, line up on line, precept on precept. We can incorporate all this, have a strong relationship with God and with church. All that Genesis said about God and man's relationship, all that Acts says about relationships within the church, can be a guide for you and I today. We can use this to be our guide. You know, the book of Genesis in the garden, like the church, God wants relationship with you. It would be foolish to say God doesn't want a relationship with you. He does. When people say, man, I just don't pray because, man, I just don't, I just don't, I just don't, I just feel like I'm talking to a wall. It may start out like that. But you keep praying, you keep a relationship, you keep pouring your heart out to God. Uh, after a while, uh, amen, you look forward to spending time in prayer. After a while, you feel the relationship begin to build. Uh, you begin to learn the, the voice of God. You begin to feel the sense the Spirit of God. Uh, a relationship has started. And God wants that with every man and every woman uh, in the house of God. A relationship with Him. A uh, relationship uh, with each other as He must in the church too. Uh, amen. As we see each other, uh, amen, as we're in ministry together, build some relationships. I've got friends today that I can call I've had for 25, 30 years. In the church. We're still friends today because we built relationships. Way back then, I can call a guy named John Grother right now, anytime today, he'd say, Hey, what's up, Larry? We built a relationship. We served together in drama. We served together. We went through a lot of different things. In the church. We have a relationship. You have to build them. The Garden of Eden, too, needed tended and kept. You know, you get so much out of just laboring in the church. Not just for churches, for you. You know, you begin to care about things you tend. You begin to have a heart for things that you invest your life in. And think about Adam as he began to just kind of put things in order in that garden. That's why I took pride in that. Man, look what I did to that plant. Look at it. Man, it's living now. It's got some life to it. We do that as we're involved in the church. There's a sense of spiritual pride and a good pride that we have as we come to church. It's not just we're coming to church, we're like, man, I got a part of this. And Psalm service is good, but hey, I'm and we start beginning to take some pride in some of this. Not bad pride, spiritual pride. How many knows the difference? So we need men and women that will give their hundred percent. I'm sure God requires nothing less. When he was in when Adam's in the garden, I'm sure God didn't just say, Hey, yeah, just clip it here and there, it's fine. No, God said, Hey man, make it he said, tend to it. Give yourself to it. Make sure you participate. Give your 100% here. That's what I'm always telling James. Hey, get some new songs going. And he does. I appreciate that. He gives himself to the ministry. In the garden, God's command lived. 
You know, sometimes we hear things we don't like to hear in church. Sermons come across public like, how many's had a few of them? I've had a few through the years. Sometimes it's like that. Adam may not like the command, hey, stay away from the tree. But when he said, hey, there's death on that tree, Adam said, okay. Now we know Eve touched it. She didn't get the same sermon, I guess. But uh, now she got it. She just did what she did. And some people, times people do what they do. But can God command you? See, when we're living in obedience, there's a joy. Psalms 46.1 God is our refuge and strength and very present help in time of trouble. It's good to go to God when you know you're right. When you know, God, I've, I've had some relationships. I've invested uh, in relationship with you, with others. Uh, and it's good to know when you go to God, you're just right. You're doing everything you can. Uh, That's what David says here. God's our refuge and strength and very present help in time of trouble. The book of Acts is a church of one. One heart, one soul. Listen, we need each other. I know that's a tough guy, tough girl. They don't need nobody. I can do this on my own. No, you can't. We need each other. Ecclesiastes 4.12 Though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will, uh, uh, two will withstand him, but a three-fold cord is not quickly broken. Friendship. I can call Rome, I can call Pastor Brooke, I can call Dion or Ricky or one. Listen, there's a strength in that. Hey, pray with me. Let's believe God together. Hey, let's talk. I mean, there's a strength in that. What if you didn't have anybody to call? Nobody knows you well enough to call them. Listen, you fight your own battles, and, and the Bible says here, you're going to lose some. But you got some friends to call up, people you've invested in, that pray for you, be there for you, it makes a difference. Let's wind this thing down. The, most, the greatest and most important thing in life, my life, your life, is relationship with God, one, and with each other, two. They both go together. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 22, 37. Jesus said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind, all your strength. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. These on these two commandments hinge all the law of the prophet. Jesus said, if you can get these two things right, you get the whole Bible right. Think about it. If you get these two things right, if you can love God with everything that's in you, you can love each other uh, with everything. He said, you can do anything for God. Everything else can be worked out. Everything else can be brought under this umbrella. When you've got a relationship with God, you have a relationship with each other. But without these two, You have a very hard time making it. Let me ask you straight up. Do you have a relationship with God? Can God speak to you? Adam, every day, the cool of the day, Adam and Eve had the pleasure of spending time with God. Can God speak to you? Can God come down and deal with you? Can God come down and bless you? Let me ask you, do you have a relationship with people in the church? Do you have a friend you can call it any time. I understand you may not have a lot of them like that, but do you have one or two like that that can help you get through whatever? You're going to need a friend. 
Are we united here? Are we united? Are we one? Are we one with God and one with each other? Because that's what God's after this morning. Let's bow our heads.